Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Super privileged to welcome up Tash to preach this morning. Tash has just finished a year-long internship program um, and I've been able to watch Tash really grow in her faith and it's a real privilege to privilege to be able to hear you preach this morning, Tash. Um, Tash doesn't, she's not always the first to talk in a room, but when she speaks, I listen because this woman has something to say. So uh, why don't you give her a huge round of applause and welcome her up. Hello. <laughs> so I'm Tash. I'm one of the ex-interns now. Um, I don't like being on stage, so <laughs> just putting it out there. Um, so who here has ever gone to the beach? Put your hands up. Yeah? Ever swallowed the water while you were at the beach? Yeah. Bit nasty. Uh, who has ever eaten salted caramel? Yeah? Yeah? Much better, isn't it? <laughs> That's what I thought. Anyway, so how does that relate to Matthew 5.13? He talks about salt and losing saltiness, but apart from salt, and how does salt to caramel and seawater relate? Now, I remember as a kid, we used to live near the salt pans at Dry Creek. If you don't know what that is, what salt pans are, pretty much, seawater goes into these areas. It dries up, and they gather salt into piles. That is then processed and then sold in the supermarket as table salt. <laughs> now. In these salt piles, there's a lot of dirt, bacteria, just, it's, it's, it's nasty. <laughs> so I didn't know that as a child, and I thought you could just go with your salt container and fill it up, and didn't know why you had to go buy it. But I definitely know that you shouldn't do that, because when you're cooking, it's a lot different. <laughs> um, further to that, when you're cooking with seawater, just before it's even dried, it's a lot different to what you would use when you use table salt. So table salt, you might need one teaspoon when you're making a cake. Seawater, you might need a lot less because we can't tell what the actual salt contents of it is. But how does this relate to Matthew 5? So let's look into verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. Now to make more sense of this, we can actually go back to Genesis 9.20. Noah as a man of the soil. This is one of the many times in the Bible where it is said we are from the earth, but when we try to connect this back to our verse today, it's a bit hard to make the connection. That is until we actually break down what soil is. I'm not going to take you through the whole content components of soil because I can't pronounce half of it. <laughs> but in soil, there is sodium chloride. This is actually a type of salt. So we can actually say that we are Salt, we are of the earth. So when we go back to our verse, we can look a little bit deeper. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Now, if we reword this with this information about salt that we know and that we know we are salt, we can say, but if we have lost our taste, how shall we be restored? We can start to look back into Genesis a bit more and look at how we are created in the image of God and... We are saved through, from our sins through Jesus dying on the cross. 
simple answer for everything is we are saved through Christ. But that's not enough. And I think Mike would get angry with me if I stopped here. (laughs) 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 So if we go back to our seawater versus table salt, table salt doesn't become table salt without help. This is like us. We've accepted Jesus into our lives. We have, ex- we have forgiven for our sins. We are alive in Christ. But having this relationship with Jesus doesn't grow us by itself. We stay the same unless we actively make changes in our lives. If we compare our salvation to the salt piles, we can say it like this. We accept Christ. We go through the process of being cleaned. We become the salt that is sold in the shops. But no matter if someone has chosen Christ or not, we are all salt of the earth. We are all children of God. It doesn't matter if you've given your life to Jesus or not. Because when we look at table salt mixed with water versus seawater, they're pretty similar as long as you get the ratios right. There are differences though. The life that we live as a Christian is the table salt mixed with, with water. And life without is just the seawater. The difference is, when you look at it, there's impurities, there's dirt, there's sand, bacteria, all in the seawater. That isn't in, that's not to say it's not in the table of salt water. It is. It's just, it can be, it's processed, it's cleaned. The seawater, it can't get any cleaner. It can only get dirtier. For us, as Christians, We become cleaner by going to Jesus, by handing over our lives to him. We change ourselves from the inside out. We are growing our relationship with him. But that's not to say that the salt from the piles or the seawater have no use. But when we read the final part of verse 13, it hits a little hard. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. When we think back to the salt piles, this salt isn't as useful to us as table salt. Table salt is used for many things. It's an enhancement to food, it's a preservative, and so much more. But this isn't to say the other is useless. One of the important things that salt is used for, especially where it's really cold, is to put on driveways and paths that are really icy because it slows the melting process down. This salt doesn't have to be clean. You can go off to the salt piles and throw it out on your driveway doesn't matter. This is important, but it is life without Jesus. These salt that you throw in your driveway just slows the melting. Eventually, you have to put more salt on because it starts to melt again. This life is unfulfilling, and it's not what was planned for us. It's what we decided. It's the choices that we make. I mean, how many times do we make a choice and utterly regret it? All the time. But the difference is, life with Jesus, you have someone to lean on, someone who will forgive you no matter what. People don't tend to do this. People usually want something in return. Now, there is another way I can explain this. I want Emma to come up here. And yes, I chose Emma because she loves being on stage just as me. (laughs) And even to be more COVID safe, I brought a glove. (laughs) All right, so I'm gonna give Emma a piece of chocolate because I know she loves, loves chocolate. Can you please eat this? Is that yummy? Mm-hmm. It's so yummy. Is that, 
You want another? Yeah. Are you sure? So the first piece of chocolate I've given Emma is a chocolate-coated Dutch licorice coin. Now I want you to try this one. I've given Emma is a salted caramel lint ball. <laughs> yes. Now, which one was better? Was it that one? You have licorice in your mouth still, I don't you? <laughs> yeah. I got to the licorice. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> go have some water now. <laughs> Just like I made Emma eat two salty foods that are covered in chocolate, we have the choice in life. We can have the way it was intended, with God or without. They are both salty foods. They both contain salt and they're both covered in chocolate. But only one brought out the flavour, how it was intended to be by God. We can live with Without Jesus, but constantly to be adding to it, it will never be easy or fulfilling. A life with Jesus will always be more satisfying and tasteful. Now, here are two things that have helped me not sit in the preservation of life with Jesus, but enhance my relationship and build a discipleship with him. So the first thing is, find the thing that grows you. This doesn't need to be the basics of reading your Bible, praying, doing an internship, Although these are helpful, they are not the thing that will grow everyone. I know for me, it doesn't always help me grow. For me, it's being open about my relationship with God. It's about having some of those harder conversations with people. It's about trying to teach people about Jesus. And the second thing is, constantly check in with where you're at. If we aren't checking where we are, we stop growing. When we stop looking for the things that we can improve on, we are no longer living to become better disciples. We, are, we forget to look at ourselves. Co Jesus constantly challenges us to look at our own hearts. So are we staying salty? With these two things comes growth. It's not the start of only a relationship with God, but discipleship. It brings us to a point of not just preservation, but enhancement. It's the things that make us different from non-believers. The things that make us stand out. So it is useful in all its forms, but only one form can be used in the way it's intended. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone here this morning. I pray that we do not sit with the knowledge of you, but grow and build discipleships with you. That we do not sit in the comfort of the uncomfortable. I pray for anyone today who might be struggling and is sitting in the preservation of their relationship with you, that you will push them and they will say yes. They would follow your guidance the way you intend it, not just the way that's easiest. I pray all these things. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Tash, for teaching us about the importance of salt. Um, they also smell those salt things, those salt areas too, don't they? So yeah, yeah. Um, I am really excited now to hear from Jazz. 
Um, we Jazz has also just finished her internship program, and Jazz is just a bundle of joy. She's just a bundle of joy, but she's also a woman of faith, and uh, she's actually stepped up, and she's now our coordinator of our youth ministry team, which is doing a wonderful job doing that and then cultivating a whole new ministry. But I'm Jazz, I'm really excited to hear what God's put on your heart. And can you just give Jazz a huge, warm welcome? Hi, guys. I'll just let the computer do its computer things. Um, fun fact about me, though. Um, some of you know, some of you don't. Just, just something. I don't know. Fun fact. Um, I was involved with Scouts for 10 years, which is just, it was just a blast. It was one of my, one of the highlights of my life. <laughs> um, in that time, I've been on many camps, many hiking trips and kayaking expeditions. It's just, yeah, I just love my Scout life. <laughs> um, a weird flex that I have is that I've flown a plane fun fact. Um, we, as a scout group, we went on a camp called Air Camp and they give you the opportunity to fly a plane. So why not take that up? <laughs> um, but when I've been camping on scout camps, one of the most useful things to bring along is your handy dandy torch. <laughs> um, oh, honestly, torches are just so handy when you're camping. If you need to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, it just makes getting there so much easier. It stops you from stepping on those sharp sticks where you're like, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> um, and another thing that the torch can help you with is when you're cooking your dinner, you can like turn your torch on and see whether your dinner is burnt. Wouldn't recommend giving your camping buddies burnt food. They don't really like it. Um, but another thing that torches are so useful for is also putting tents up in the dark. I don't know about you if you've ever put a tent up, but it's hard enough in daylight, let alone in the dark. Struggling with the poles and the pegs and the, oh my gosh, the fly. Have you ever had the fly inside out where you've got to like shake it and try and get it the wrong, right way right around? Try doing that in the dark. It's, <laughs> it's hard. Um, but a torch makes it so much easier. If you... Um, Often when we would cut for scout camps, we'd rock up on Friday night. And if you didn't have a torch, it would take you so much longer to put your tent up. And you'd, we'd rock up to supper late. And if you rock up to supper late, it's not really a vibe because everyone's playing the blame game of, it was your fault that the tent took so long. No, it was yours. And it, yeah, we're just busy playing the blame game. But if you bring a torch, you're the legend in the campsite because it's like, can I borrow your torch? Of course you can. So yeah, you can, we have, yeah, bring a torch, I would recommend. Um, it just makes putting in the pegs so much easier. You can see that every single one is put in and you can also, it just makes that whole like kerfuffle with the um, fly easier too. You're just like, oh yeah, on. Amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, but despite ama how amazing it is to be the person with a torch, it's not what Jesus talks about in Matthew 5 where he says, you are the light of the world. He's not saying, you're the person with the torch. Um, in fact, being the light of the world is a role that was given to Jesus before it was given to us. The promises, truths that come from God is embodied in Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world because he lived a perfect life, because he was God's best advocate. The light of Jesus can be seen in the way he loved people so much and so well. Jesus brings transformation. 
He heals people. He makes people feel seen and heard. Jesus is, oh, he's amazing. God's, God's light and goodness is a part of who Jesus was and is. He, but in saying that though, he experienced all of the darkness in the world on the cross. The darkness in the world is the things that causes our hearts to break. The darkness in the world is the things that give us those lumps, that lump in our throat or that feeling at the pit of our stomach. The darkness in the world makes us wish for something better. It leaves us feeling hopeless, empty, angry or even sad. Much of the world's darkness is caused by our sins, the lies that we tell, the people we hurt, the things that we do that tear others down and dishonours God. Both Ephesians 2 and Galatians 2.20 remind us of how Jesus brings redemption. These scriptures capture the transformation that Jesus can bring to our lives by bringing us out of the darkness and into the light. In Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live in the the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. These scriptures were used in one of Encounter's favourite songs, See the Light by Hillsong Worship. I didn't actually know it was playing today, which is just amazing. (laughs) The words in the song come straight from Galatians 2.20 and Ephesians 2. This is what the chorus says. No longer, I could sing it if you want. No longer, no, I won't. (laughs) No longer I who live, now Jesus lives in me. For I was dead in sin, but I woke up to see the light. Waking up to see the light means leaving behind the sin and darkness that I mentioned before. It means handing it over to Jesus, who already dealt with it when he died on the cross. Waking up to see the light means that who you once were is not who you are. It means that you can lay aside the things that were weighing you down and causing you pain. All of the sins and feelings that I mentioned before are washed away in Jesus' name. At Encounter with Church, we believe that when you wake up to see the light, you don't just go from bad to good, but from dead to alive. (laughs) And living in the light of Jesus adds something to your life that changes it for the better. In Matthew 5, it says that you are the light of the world. And this is because you have the light of Jesus dwelling inside of you through the power of the Holy Spirit. When you have something that is this good, surely you tell the people around you. Or when you're the person in your campsite with a torch and you're putting up the tent, surely you turn on the torch to light up the space. The smallest of lights can be unbelievably powerful when you're surrounded by darkness. When it all feels lonely, scary and sad, having someone break it up with the light, life, love and joy that they have from Jesus can bring transformation and breakthrough. Having someone do that can turn chaos into peace. 
The light that you have can turn suffering into joy. The light that you have can turn hurting into healing. The light that you have brings life. And one life that is transformed by the Holy Spirit can transform another life. And this can work as a powerful ripple effect that can light up the whole city. And I want to show you what I mean. So we're going to turn off the lights and I have some volunteers who are going to come up onto the stage. They already know who they are, so don't be worried. I'm not going to be like, hey, you, come up here. Yeah, come up. <laughs> so these are my friends. <laughs> um, so I've got the, this is my torch and I'm going to turn it on because I have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me. And I'm going to shine it on Adelaide. And Adelaide and share God's goodness with her. After time, transformation happens. Adelaide starts to see the light that God brings and it transforms her life. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. She wakes up to see the light. You turn your light on. (laughs) And then Adelaide shines her light on Taryn. Adelaide shines her light on Taryn and Taryn has an encounter with Jesus that transforms her life. Taryn wakes up to see the light. You can turn your torch on. (laughs) And Taryn loves what she's got and she wants to share it with Beck. So she shares her light with Beck. (laughs) Beck also encounters Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Beck's life is transformed and she has the light of Jesus dwelling inside of her. Look at it shining. Isn't it so bright? At the same time as this, Adelaide's now shining her light on Maddie and I'm shining mine on Emma. What? That way. (laughs) (laughs) Maddie and Emma also both have have encountered Jesus and their lives transform. Their lights turn on and they wake up to see Jesus. They're living with the light of Jesus inside of them. And just like that, we've seen this dark space light up like lots of, like lots of little lights, kind of like a city on a hill. All these little lights are a testimony. They're a story of transformation. And it starts with one person, one person who was transformed by Jesus And who is filled with the Holy Spirit. It starts with that one person sharing the light that they have to those around them. These guys can go sit back down and continue sharing the light of Jesus to those around them. Which is something that all of us can do. We're all able to share the light of Jesus to the people around us. The people we love and the people we care about. Um, Our character and the things that we do and the things that we say can give others a glimpse of light in their darkness. If we go back to Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, it says that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Matthew 5, 16 also talks about doing good works. It says to let your light shine for others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. In the Bible... 
Before Jesus calls us to be salt and light, we find the Beatitudes, where he tells us how to live in a way that brings light into the darkness. And I've come up with my own three ways, based on the Beatitudes, that we can be a world changer or a light of the world. Number one, be hungry. Be hungry for everything that God has for you. Be desperate for him and allow him to transform your life from the inside out. When you're hungry for food, you ask for more. So do the same with God. Ask him to take you further in your relationship. Ask him to fill your bucket. Spend more time with him, praying and reading his word. Allow time to listen and dwell in his presence. This time you spend with the Lord can be while you're waiting for the bus. It could be while you're cooking your dinner. The time that you spend for the Lord could be while you're waiting for your next lecture. It could be while you're walking the dog. Spending time with the Lord doesn't have to be sitting down at the desk and reading the word. It can be wherever you want and doing whatever you want. Doing do things that fuel your passion for him and open up to him, letting to transform you from the inside out. Create time for him and he will transform you. I encourage you to fall deeper in love with God and allow your life to be more and more about him. Something that I did because I was hungry for more of Jesus was to give up social media for six months. When I did this, I fell further in love with my God and my passion for him exploded. My friends would ask, why aren't you on socials? And this created an opportunity to share what God was doing and how my life was changing. When you're passionate about something, you take every opportunity to talk about it. And take Michael Roberts as an example. (laughs) If you've ever been in a conversation with him about Muay Thai, you probably know how passionate he is about it. He's just so passionate about it and it probably inspires you. You might go, I think I could do Muay Thai coming from a conversation with you. I'm like, yep, sign me up. He loves it so much. And oh... Pretty much, yeah. Anyone here, go have a chat to Michael. He can tell you all about it. Um, But another thing about Michael that is super amazing and that you should also ask him about is that he's passionate about the light that Jesus brings. He is excited to have a conversation about what Jesus is doing in his life. You go and ask him, how was internship on Friday? And Michael will tell you all the details because he's passionate about it, because he loves Jesus and because he wants you to know what's going on. He, yeah, (laughs) he loves Muay Thai and um, he also (laughs) loves... And he also loves Jesus, which is the main point. (laughs) Michael loves Jesus and he talks about it a lot because the passion of Jesus is inside of you and the Holy Spirit gets you passionate about it and he's talking about it. That's why I'm up here talking about it because I'm passionate about Jesus. (laughs) And so coming back to my point, being hungry and finding things that will make you grow makes room for God to move, which fans the flame of passion. Showing others your passion for Jesus and telling them about it, in the same way Michael talks about Muay Thai, is, one sec, (laughs) is like, 
is showing others the light of the world because it's drawing their attention to Jesus. So be passionate and be hungry. Do things that will drive your passion for it. If you love playing music for Jesus, do that. If you love making coffee for the people who love Jesus, do that. Do things that drive your passion for Jesus because when people see your passion, they see the light that you have as well. Number two, be a peacemaker that shows mercy. A peacemaker is someone who promotes God's message of peace, someone who doesn't stir up conflict and shows God's love with both their actions and their words. A peacemaker is careful in the way that they banter. They, they, show, they don't tear others down with the way that they speak. A peacemaker doesn't contribute to the gossip at work and school. They don't tear others down in effort to build themselves up. Peacemakers fight for justice, but they don't do it violently or in a way that cancels other people. Peacemakers do not discriminate. They make those around them feel loved, valued and welcomed. They are the people that will extend an invitation to include you in what's going in, going on. Peacemakers are the ones that will send a midweek message filled with encouragement to remind you that they care. Like a good friend should be, a peacemaker is loyal. They comfort the people around them who are sad and they're good listeners for when you need someone to talk to. They look after you and I hope that you look after them. I also hope that as you're listening to me list off what a peacemaker is, that you had someone in your mind who you could think of who is a peacemaker because you should follow them as far as they follow Christ. Back to a peacemaker who shows mercy. That means they are forgiving. Someone who doesn't count the mistakes that are made towards them. And a side note, being, showing mercy isn't being a pushover and it also means you can hold others accountable for the wrong things that they do. You see, showing mercy means to forgive someone in a loving and unconditional kind of way. In the words of C.S. Lewis, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God forgave the inexcusable in you. Peacemakers who show mercy are more than just nice people. They know the love and forgiveness that God has given them and they're filled with joy because... That's what the Holy Spirit has given them and that's what's filling their cup. They know peacemakers who show mercy actively share the joy that they have because they want you to experience it too. Random acts of kindness, being a good friend and showing forgiveness are some of the ways that we can share God's light and God's love. They're some of the ways that we can be a peacemaker. When the people around you see how much you love them, it gives them a better understanding of how much more God loves them. When the people around, when the people around you see that nice thing that you said or hear that nice thing that you said, you might have made their day go from bad to good. The meal that you made for someone reminded them of how special you are in their eyes. The COVID safe hug that you gave someone may have been the comfort they needed when they were facing something scary. When you're a peacemaker who shows mercy, 
The darkness in other people's lives is broken up by the light that you have. The light that comes from Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. The light that is inside of every single one of you. My last point, number three, be content in and pure in heart. As followers of Jesus, we're called to be humble, which means being content in who you are in Christ. It means balancing the line of being more broken than you ever dared to believe, but more loved and accepted in Christ than you ever dared to hope. We are shining the light that God has given us for the purpose of his glory. I think that it is so cool that our God, who created the universe, wants us to be involved by being a light to others. He has a plan for us and he sees something special in us that is beautiful. Do you know, God says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He says that we are worth fighting for. He says that we are loved with an everlasting love. He says that we are his handiwork. He says that we are the salt and light of the world. He says all of these good things about us. He said, and being content in who we are in Christ allows, to say, allows us to say who I am in, Christ, in God, say I am who I am in God and the world cannot change that or take it away. I'm going to repeat that. Being content in who we are in Christ allows us to say I am who God says I am and the world cannot change that or take it away. That's the same for you. You are who God says you are. The world cannot change that or take it away. In the cancel culture that we're living in today, where one wrong move can leave you on the outer, this is countercultural. Knowing that you are loved and accepted despite your flaws. Being welcomed in and not shut out. We're also called to be pure and authentic or pure in heart. This means being real, which is one of Encounter's core values. Being pure in heart or real means being sincere and or honest in what we say and what we do. It means that you can't say to your boyfriend or girlfriend, I love you so much, and then be looking on Tinder for somebody else. Another example of this is, of being real, isn't saying, I'm fine, when someone asks if you're okay and you're actually feeling like a wreck on the inside. I'm going to be real with you guys right now because that's what we do at Encounter Church. Being content with who I'm I am in Christ is something that I'm working on and wrestling with right now. Sometimes it can be a struggle to believe the promises that God says about me. Sometimes I have to intentionally remind myself of who God says I am. And you can't assume that me preaching about this means that I have it all worked out. And it would be wrong for me to pretend that I do. And while being pure in heart or real might not lead you to feel like you're lighting up the world, let me reassure you that you are. When you're pure and heart and real, you might not feel like it, but because you're doing something hard, it stands out. And it stands out when you're doing hard things. Trust me. Bethany Hamilton, an American surfer who was attacked by a shark in 2003, lost her arm. But through hard work and her faith, 
she is, a, she is surfing on the pro circuit once again. People are inspired by her story, not because she makes surfing look easy, but because she was real about what she was going through. She was content with who she was in Christ, which helped in overcoming challenges. People look at Bethany and wonder what she's got, and they do the same thing for you. They look at you and they wonder what is helping you through your battles. They look at you and they see the light in your darkness. They are drawn to it because they want to know where it comes from and what it is. You are the light of the world because you have the light of Jesus dwelling inside of you through the power of the Holy Spirit. The light that you have brings powerful transformation and your job is to shine for all to see. So let Jesus in and your passion for him explode. Be reminded of what his light is like and the way that he loves you. Let him bring light into your darkness and wash away all the sin and pain. You are God's handiwork. You are loved with an everlasting love. You are called to be the salt and light. So I encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit to move. To let Jesus wash away all the sin and pain. To bring light into your life. Let him light up your life so you can shine for others and do everything God is calling you to do. So I'm going to pray right now. And before I pray, even if you haven't done this before, I encourage you, put it, lay out your hands. Just invite the Holy Spirit to move. Invite him to remind you of how much you are loved. Remind the, invite the Holy Spirit to encourage you as you tell others about what Jesus has done for you. Invite the Holy Spirit to encourage you as you're a peacemaker to others. So I'm going to pray right now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the way that you've called us to be the light of the world. For the way that you came and you took all the sin away from us so that we could see the light for ourselves. For the way that you light up our lives. And I just pray that right now, today, that we'd be ready We'd be welcoming you in, that we'd be hungry for more, God. I just pray that you would be moving here today, Lord, reminding us of how precious we are and how you have equipped us to be the light of the world and the ways that we can light up other lives. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you are able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.